And LI News Radio Time is 7.35 a.m. And uh, this is the portion of the show. We're going to do some guests, some uh, great people, some regular contributors on LA News Radio. I'm talking about Kenneth Bombay. Ken Bombay is the CEO of Global Threat Solutions Security Consulting Protection Services. He has offices in New York and L.A., former Army intelligence captain that led counterinsurgency operations in Samara, Iraq. He's a retired criminal intelligence detective. He's a professor of criminal justice at Farmingdale. He served in Germany during the fall of the Berlin Wall. He's one of the regular contributors, folks, on, on my show. You can hear Ken every afternoon at 12.35 on uh, 103.9 on Your Island with Tom Shalero. And uh, just great to have him on. Ken is a former police officer. And I wanted to uh, make mention of this. Uh, as we're doing this morning show very early, 6 a.m., I get a few text messages from our great police officers that are driving back from their tours of duty or on their way. And I'm speaking about Sergeant Dave Driscoll of the Amityville Police Department, a good friend of mine. We went to the academy together. And I just wanted to do a shout out and say hello and thank him for the great service. And and uh, bring Ken into that. Ken, before we get started on all our topics, do you remember those days leaving early in the morning to go to work and coming back after a, after doing a night shift? Uh, these were tough times. Ken Bombay's. Morning, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I do. I remember those those times, and I remember those, working those shifts, too. Um, there's a lot of people. It, people take it for granted. People doing that every single day, 24 hours a day, have people ready to respond to all of the threats that people face here in Suffolk County. It's something that's very easy to forget about. And and I, I think I, I'd like at this time of year, and it's so important that we honor our first responders because uh, all those of us who are going to be cut, cutting the turkey on Christmas Day, they're going to be out there driving our, our our ambulances, our EMTs, and our great police officers like Dave Driscoll and so on. And I think. Uh, uh, there's there's no um, rest for the weary. There's no holidays. It's all a matter of chart days and so on like that. And I think it's important to say that. Do you think, uh, and again, I'm bringing this up now because so many police officers listen to this program and they listen to JLI and the AM every day and they listen to my show. And uh, that I don't think we say enough about the, the hardships of, of family life and so on. Did you feel that that was something that uh, in the years that you went through, you were highly decorated, uh, somebody uh, that that people respected. You think that was something that um, you know it drove you forward and and made you continue to do this because it had to be difficult. It is, and so many times you know we worked. Um, sometimes you'd have to work double shifts. I was a sheriff, a deputy sheriff, for over seven years, and then and then I moved into the police department and policing. And uh, that's like I said, many people don't know what it goes into. All the things that you miss too, right? The birthdays and and holidays that. There's always someone there at three in the morning on, on Christmas. You know, if you have a, an emergency, a critical emergency, say, you know, an infant stops breathing, there's going to be a police officer there within minutes at your house trying to help you and do the best they can. First responders, too. So, I mean, I think it's very easy for people to forget that. And it did, it is inspiring. And police work, unfortunately, much of your interactions with the public can be negative, right? Writing tickets, making arrests, and enforcing laws. Um, so when you do get to, when you are involved in some interaction that's positive, and you really get to just help people where they're so grateful, that's something I think inspires a lot of people in police work to keep going forward. Those are the people that deserve it, you know, even though sometimes it can be such a thankless job. 
And I think, and, and I mentioned this again for a lot of reasons because it is the holiday season, but I see so many out there. And I have a pet peeve, and I say it on my show all the time about these organ, these groups that go around with their video cameras and they, they bait the police. They try to antagonize them so they can get it on video and they can get their 1,000 subscribers on that damn YouTube and make money off of it. And I watch this and I, and I try not to watch it, but I watch it for educational purposes to see what idiots these people are in which to doing that. And I hope some of them are listening right now because that's what I think about you. Do uh, you take these great people that do such a such a job for us and 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 help us? And, and what Ken Bombay's just just outlined. And uh, every once in a while, it, it hits my brain to talk about this because it just bothers the heck out of me, and it probably always will. Uh, in which to do that. But in, in any case, I'm glad you're on this morning uh, on L I N E A with Jay Oliver. Once again, I'm Tom Shaleo sitting in for Jay. You'll hear uh, Ken will be back on later on at 12:35 on my show. Uh, Ken, this this whole thing with title 42 been talking about it a federal judge did say no don't let it expire you know uh, obviously it was actually the chief justice of the supreme court what's wrong with this country of ours that we have an immigration policy that essentially says walk across the river in your bare feet so you don't get wet and uh, come into the country and that's how you immigrate i remember talking to my grandfather many 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 years ago and how they came into ellis island and it was an orderly procedure it was a little chaotic but that's we had an immigration policy nobody told him to walk across the east river i mean what's that all about ken yeah it's uh it is, it is troubling. The only thing you could point a finger at, Tom, as far as why this is going on, is it's uh, politics. You know, I, I hear a lot of speculation. Why would somebody want to keep this, this border? Why would someone want to keep these policies in place when there's obviously so many negative aspects, danger uh, to Americans right now between fentanyl, terrorists, crime, gangs? Why would we want to do this? And not even fair to the people who are trying to come across. You know, and the way they're living and being treated and the dangers that they face crossing the border. So why would anyone support this? And, and, and I think there was such a stark difference when this administration took office. It was immediate. It was immediate. The border was, um, we had, we had um, a great level of security at the border prior to this administration taking office. And then it was almost an immediate turnaround and this influx of people crossing the border and and handcuffing the border patrol so they w weren't able to do their jobs the way they should be th doing their jobs. Is why would someone want that? And the only answer I could come up with is is politics. Why would somebody want this massive influx, no matter what, that comes across that border despite all the dangers it faces? And politics, and, and again, just speculation, but you could think that we're letting in millions of people right now, and at the same time, you have um, Democratic lawmakers pushing for um, to allow these people to have a uh, expedited path to citizenship, so all you could and, and granting them asylum, all you could think of is that this is a political move and that they're gonna um, they're increasing um, voter levels by allowing these people to come in and then trying to push them push for giving them citizenship so quickly. I can't think of any other reason somebody would want that border to be operating the way it is right now. No one believes it's not a crisis. They may say it's not a crisis in this administration. They don't believe it even. It's a disaster down there. So that's all I could think of is politics. And fortunately, at least till after Christmas, now it's been held off. And, and maybe there'll be some, some uh, the Supreme Court will rule in favor of saying that this should continue. And one more thing I'll say, Tom, is that, you know, Title 42 is a public health um, risk, a threat law that's why this is in place a policy to protect us right so 
one could easily argue that COVID is still a risk, especially many Democratic lawmakers would argue that COVID is still a risk. So why would we lift it? And I would argue even further that fentanyl is a public health crisis right now. And obviously fentanyl, the, the risk of fentanyl, a great uh, portion of that is coming across that southern border. So why can't that be the reason we keep Title 42 in place to keep at least stem the flow of people coming across the border right now? I think obviously you've been reading my mind. I said I was going to bring up fentanyl and and the number of overdoses that are occurring in this country. And and the, the year 2022, I understand, is, is going to be one of the the, the banner years uh, for suicides and also excuse overdoses on deaths. You know, I, I think what gets a lot of people and and you're kind of hitting on them. Is we ask why? Why is this? Why is that? And certainly, there's an agenda out there, and I'm not a conspiracy type person, and I never have been. But then I I, I read that the CDC uh, put out a statement last week. I've read this on my show, and basically, I'm, this is the exact quotes: "Asylum immigrants." Now, again, uh, asylum is the mechanism. That is the doorway that they come in, albeit walking across a river to get in, which makes no sense to me. But asylum immigrants are not a source of COVID. Now, think about that for a second, folks. Those listening, again, Ken, Ken Bombay's with me right now. If it's not a source of, of, of COVID, then why over the last two years they were saying don't go to holiday parties, avoid crowds? In the beginning, there was a, a national shutdown. But when thousands of people, there's 5,000 people sleeping on the streets of El Paso, Texas, as you and I are speaking right now, okay? And yet CDC says that these immigrants, asylum immigrants, are not a source of COVID. Who are they kidding, Ken Bombay's? I mean, how could that be? Yeah. Uh, tell me tell me what I'm missing here, Ken. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's purely political. And I think that, you know, for, to, for someone to suggest that, they, those, it doesn't even make sense saying that these people coming across the border untested, unvaccinated, so many of them, to say that it's not a threat doesn't even make sense. And one of the problems we face, Tom, I think, is that the media is complicit. The media is on board with this message, so they don't challenge it. That's why we need a free media in America is to push back against policies like this. You should have to have a much better argument than just say they don't pose a threat to people coming over the border. How does that even make sense, medically speaking? It doesn't. So, But the problem is if no one challenges them and no one covers that story the way it should be covered, then it doesn't get exposed for what it is, and it doesn't put pressure on the administration to give us legitimate answers and solutions and it's something that has changed probably in the last decade. We've never seen such a, um, a partnership between, between a political party and the media apparatus in this country. And it, it can be dangerous for reasons just like this. We need them. We need that free press to be pushing back and highlighting these outrageous claims, things like that, and these policies. I, I think on a broader scale, Tom, one thing that's worth facing is that to hold power, there's nothing that political parties won't do right now. Like, in other words, they know this is obviously very dangerous, detrimental to our country, leaving this border the way it's been for so long. How many people right now, how many possible terrorists have we know have crossed people on the uh, terror watch list? The fentanyl, leading cause of uh, death for so many young people in this country right now. Nobody can believe that, but it's, it's almost like, you know, can remain in power at all costs, no matter what, will remain in power. And you see that on the in an economic level, too, with so many handouts, 
whether it be, um, you know, for college or benefits and things where we're suffering as a country. We, we obviously can't afford this right now, uh, economically speaking, but if they can buy votes and keep, stay, maintain power, it, at all costs, it doesn't make a difference. Whatever we have to spend, whatever policies we have to put in place, at all costs, as long as we control, maintain power, that's all that matters. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. See a little bit right now with Ukraine and the, and the continued pledges for more money um, right now. Even though we're, we're suffering economically, we're facing a recession right now, whatever it takes. That's kind of what we've seen. And I do want to talk about the Ukraine, but just going back to the CDC. Yeah, and I, I want to remind the folks, this was the organization that said, got to get that vaccination, got to get the vaccination. Uh, you got to wear a mask. When you wake up in the morning, put that mask on. In fact, go to sleep with the mask on. I don't know what they were saying. So they made all these issues, all these promulgations, all of what the American people, by the way, dutifully uh, went along with it because they want they, they had their trust and faith in government agencies. That is now waning so much right now, particularly when we as rational Americans, and I call us the forgotten middle class that uh to try to be led in a direction like this and it's very uh it's very uh it's very upsetting you, you know you, i lament over what government could be and what i believe government will be as as time goes on but right now we're in a very low point you bring up the ukraine it's something that you certainly your background and expertise and, and what you do uh you know fits right into that um how far can we go with that i know the patriot missile batteries are going to be going over there people have high hopes you know i i was told that it takes and and you certainly can verify it or, or not and say maybe it isn't the, the truth it takes five months uh to train individuals uh to be able to utilize that very very sophisticated weapon and that would be a godsend uh, to the Ukrainians to avoid what the Russians are trying to do is shut down their infrastructure. But in the meantime, if it takes five months, how could they be uh, effective uh, in the uh, in the winter months that are so important? Or does that mean Americans are going to be there firing those damn things off? What do you think? I would I would say that you are not going to have Americans with boots on the ground firing those weapon systems. Um I would I would say that the training, like you mentioned, yeah, it takes time. If, have they waited too long to supply them with Patriot missile batteries, uh, anti-missile batteries, or air defense systems? Yes, I think I think they have waited too long, and nothing happens quickly uh, in the military. You know, especially when you're talking about a force that has zero experience or training in using a system like that. They're going to train these people in Germany, and they're going to have to rotate them through. It's going to take time, and it's at a critical time right now, Tom. This. Uh, Right now, uh, Russia's, there's a lot of speculation by Ukrainian planter, planners and, and Western intelligence that Russia's building up for a winter offensive against Ukraine right now. And you listen to the Ukrainian commanders, Tom, they feel that this offensive that they're going to launch could even include a renewed attempt at Kiev, a, a further push, not just to maintain the, the territory that Russia now holds, to actually make a renewed push at uh, taking Kiev, which would be devastating. So as much as I, I, I will tell you, as much as I completely support um, Ukraine, and I, I think the Allies should all be supporting Ukraine because they're fighting for all of us right now. This is purely, this is truly for democracy. and It's fighting a, a, a threat, a global threat right now in Vladimir Putin. So I totally support that. What I don't support is the U.S. constantly fronting the bill for everything. And, you know, we've seen this for years. We saw this during the Trump administration where he, someone finally pushed back. For years and years, our other NATO members have not paid their fair share. And the U.S. always picks up 
the financial burden of covering uh, so much of the cost for NATO operations. So President Trump had pushed back against that, and it was in the news at the time, and he wanted them to pay their fair share and at, at an economic forum where all the uh, European leaders were there. They kind of snubbed them. They weren't happy with him. But, you know, the bottom line is he did get them to pay more then, and I think there needs to be renewed efforts to do that right now. They're talking about another 40, right now, initially, right now, immediately 1.8 billion in funding to Ukraine. That's a pledge the U.S. just made. But in this new 1.7 trillion dollar spending bill we have, they're pledging another 45 billion. That'll put us over 100 billion dollars, Tom. And you're looking at our allies like Germany, and you're looking at France. These are uh, powerful nations in, in Europe, and they spent a billion and one and a half billion, respectively. It's not even close. And, and let's face it, I would, I would argue they have the greatest, they're at greater risk than we are because they're mainland Europe. So I think there needs to be some uh, a push to have our NATO partners and allies pick up some of the bill here because, America, we're suffering right now. I, I, I am wholeheartedly behind supporting Ukraine, but I think, it, I think everyone needs to pitch in for this right now. We're facing a recession. We're suffering economically. And I think that that needs to be something that, has to be done is to push them for more spending, and I don't think this administration has done that at all. Right on the head. I mean, if I had my vote, I'd put Ken Bombay in the State Department to start negotiating with the NATO, uh, with our NATO allies, and, and what this is all about. This is turning out to be catastrophic, and uh, as it goes on and on, you know, you talk to anybody that uh, is living in a burned out or a bombed out apartment right now because they got no one else to live, and half of the apartment is is blown apart. They don't have electricity, they don't have heat, and I've been speaking to folks over there, and they're saying that this is their living conditions, and they're doing the best they could under that. And uh, yes, the United states of america is the beacon of hope we know that uh you certainly have represented this country well in in a lot of different areas um but what you speak is the truth and yet this is becoming a foreign policy nightmare by this administration to not to see that uh the american people can just uh, saddle so much with this and and i think that's something that we're all starting to feel and i'm with you on the ukraine as far as freedom loving people and how important they are i believe in their cause and i believe that they should be helped but this is going too far. But, you know, as, as we get down to the final minutes of, of what we're talking about right now, you know, what is the remedy to this? Is it just a matter of reversing policy and come on, NATO, let's let's let, let's help out here or or, sh- or should we try to get Putin to the table? I, I think any um, any uh, attempts at diplomacy is always welcomed right now. If there's a way to end this diplomatically right now and, and come up with a long term plan to stop the fighting. That's what needs to be done, of course. People dying. That has to be the the um, most important concern we all face right now. But as far as I don't see that happen, I don't see there's a concern right now for a pause in fighting to dip, uh, for diplomatic discussions because Ukraine says all we're doing, if we do that, is we're allowing him to regroup, regroup for a huge offensive that he's planning in the winter. They don't want a pause in the fighting. Because they want to keep him, uh, you know, on his heels. They don't want him to have time to regroup and come at them harder and even possibly push further, like I said, for Kiev. Um, as far as the spending and the support, you know, I, I remember this um, this time where, President, again, President Trump had been pushing for them to spend more. And it was leading up to an economic forum. And when he went to that economic forum, it was kind of famously put on the news that these world leaders were kind of snubbing him, you know. And and he didn't care. He fought for that. And ultimately, you know what happened after that form, economic forum is they spent more. They increased their budgets. He forced them. He shamed them into doing it. Now, 
he, were they uh, not taking photo ops with him and having a croissant with him? Yeah, probably. I don't need that. I, as an American, I don't want my leader to be liked. I don't need him to be liked. I need a street fighter, someone who's going to be fighting for Americans every day. And if you have to pressure these people to pay their fair share, then do it. And I am in no way uh, sitting here endorsing uh, President Trump and everything that he's done. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about this topic right now. And this administration is more, uh, you know, it has not pushed back at all with this. All they want to do is pledge more and more money. Of course, everyone wants to support Ukraine, but there's a limit. We have to support our people right here in America, too. So I think that's something that needs to be done. And when people are voting in 2024, they should be considering that. Well, uh, well said, my good friend Ken Bombay. If you didn't get enough of Ken now, 1235 today, LI News Radio, uh, 103.9 on your island with Tom Shalero. I am Tom Shalero. Ken will be back later at 1235. Ken, we'll talk to you in a little bit, my friend.